really sorry, but I think we're gonna have to leave soon. Because uh, Adam's not feeling well. Huh? I don't. It's true. Well, if you gotta go, uh, then I understand. But, well, Irene and I sort of had an ulterior motive for inviting you here tonight. He makes it sound sinister. It's not. No, I don't... She's right. Okay. Okay. You've looked around our place. Where do you think we got most of this stuff? Just guess. Come on. Sears? J.C. Penny? It's actually from Confederated Products. Almost everything in this house is from Confederated Products. From the toilet paper, to the, to, to the candles, to the ham. The, the wine. The wine. The wine. It, even that cologne you liked. You see, Confederated Products is a multi-level direct wholesaling company, which means we don't just sell the products ourselves. No, sir, you Bob. We recruit and manage teams that work under us. Now, Irene and I started eight months ago, and already we're pulling in 50000 a year in revenues. We're the number four distributor in Southern California. You got that one, babe. <laughs> Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And today we are talking yet another 1999 classic, apparently. We are talking the Doug Lyman film, Go. And, Mike, it's not a good sign when the most interesting thing about a movie is a brief appearance from a softcore porn actress you still remember for some reason. I did not like Go. I'm, I'm not going with you on that, because I, uh... First off, I was about to throw out the card, you know, I, I love Go. Uh, I saw this one of 16 uh, multiple times in the theater, so I was like the target demographic yeah, for it. Yeah. But I'm now questioning you because I'm like, well, Webb was a little bit younger. Uh, he hates uh, – you're on record on this podcast. You hate films about youth enjoying being useful uh, at all. You want them to be inside studying. <laughs> <laughs> and But now I'm coming back to, wait a minute, how did you know – this porn actress and I did because you you had to be way too young for the heyday of this. If I was sixteen and not yet, you know, well scholared in the uh, adult entertainment industry, how do you know who this actress is? I'm assuming it's one of the uh, the adult entertainers at the uh, live nude act. I assume. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, it's not Sarah Pauly. <laughs> the now that's that's something that would intrigue me if. This Canadian artist had a past I was totally unaware of. No, I actually had never seen Go. This is my first viewing. I had seen the poster for it, the very recognizable, like, uh, um, shot from, like, kind of up above, and, and uh, Sarah Polly's, like, handing a card that says Go on it or something. I, I... It's a pretty bad poster, other than the color scheme made for a, uh, you know, a fetching VHS uh, box art, and that it has bright colors, but... I mean, this is the typical, like, 
<laughs> Photoshop look. Uh, I think in the later editions, Timothy Oliphant was actually removed because he's holding a gun. Ah. And because this came out in spring of 99, same thing with The Matrix, their poster with all their guns. The Matrix though was a hit, so it got a pass for excessive gun violence. This one doesn't even have excessive gun violence, but they're like, the youth have access to arms, remove that. So later editions, he would just be holding nothing. His hand is just <laughs> in this weird, <laughs> sort of like, <laughs> creepy pose up against his face. And I believe for the video version, it's Jay Moore and um, Scott Wolf replace uh, the drug dealer uh, in the box art. They did the same thing with the film. I think City of God, the poster is just a bunch of uh, kids holding guns at the audience. And I think they removed all of them. So it's just a bunch of <laughs> bunch of characters, you know, kind of pointing <laughs> at the audience. <laughs> They're just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a group selfie, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I did not watch this when I was 16. And so I would not have known um, Nikki Fritz, the softcore born actress. The only reason that she's memorable to me is because I believe it was the first ever softcore uh, a porn I had access to. It was called Sinful Obsession. I don't know why. Well, <laughs> this some of some of the things that you don't know why it imprints on you. It just does. You don't know why, and and this one did. I love this. All you Go fans out there that decide to check out a podcast for its you know twenty fifth anniversary, and they get slapped in the face. You know that the other guy is wrong. Listen to him talk <laughs> about softcore porn while I'll, you know, give all the compliments to, to go. Well, here. Um, no, I knew you would hate this. I knew you would hate this. <laughs> well, okay. So let's let's talk about uh, some of these protagonists. And you're right. I, I, sometimes when a film is so heavily focused on uh, these kids being counterculture and anti-authority, I, I usually don't like it very much. I feel like this one... Ends up kind of being a parody of itself. <laughs> unless unless they're played by Michael Sarah, then, <laughs> then you're all about it. <laughs> yes, that's true. Especially when he's talking about his favorite Criterion films at the beginning of the film. He establishes himself as somebody I can relate to. You know, the concept of the unlikable protagonist isn't anything new. Uh, but Go seems to take, like, a sick pleasure in introducing one, like, unlikable person after another and forcing them down your throat. Well, I think you're wrong from the jump because the first, you know, this is three stories. This is, uh, I believe this is the Blink-182 uh, of Pulp Fiction. This is like the starter. If you weren't old enough for Pulp Fiction, you got it uh, five years later. Although it is interesting. I, I read a little bit. Uh, I'm pissed, Webb. Uh, I was going to go all out in my research and a couple of nights ago, um, I had the dog sleeping on me and I asked my wife, I'm like, Hey, can you, uh, would you mind like putting in the go DVD for me? I don't want to wake up the dog. And she's like, didn't you just watch this? I'm like, yes, but I want to do the audio commentary. It's one of those rare finds on my shelf where I have the case, but someone has borrowed the movie. <gasps> there was no movie in there. I was furious. <sighs> I was livid. And it's, I mean, we're both on the East Coast. You know, it was very cold weather. I was not about to go out and see if a used bookstore had a copy of Go. <laughs> I thought this was a fool's errand. Uh, so I was pissed about that. So I had to just settle for, like, you know, reading little anecdotes uh, about this. And August actually wrote this pre-Pulp uh, Fiction, or at least he wrote the first part, which is Rana, the Sarah Polly section. And he wrote it more as a calling card as far as, like, to get writing work, mm -hmm. like a little short film. Um, so I want to start with her. <laughs> you hate Sarah Polly's character. 
I, I, I fell in love with this character. When I was 16, I was like, that's the girlfriend I want to have. That is the one. That she's someone who can make things happen. I don't want Katie Holmes who just nags and just bitches. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be do-, which is the worst character in a movie. Uh, the character in the movie is saying, hey, let's stop having fun. No, no, no. Good friend to have in real life. <laughs> hey, let's not screw over a drug dealer. In movie terms, very boring, Katie Holmes. I think it goes back to my like kind of naive and and sheltered upbringing. Again, like like I said, like I was busy in Math Olympiad when people were out scoring drugs, I guess. And so when I see this person who's like, I can't make the rent, and I work in a grocery store, I'm just like, oh, what? Like uh, concepts that I can't even get my head around. And so here comes conservative web. <laughs> Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Would you know no. what, Webb? She's doing that. She is doing just that. Not at all. By dealing drugs. <laughs> Not dealing drugs. Like tricking people into. Nah, they had a good time. <laughs> Except for the drug dealer, right. of course. Well, she didn't have a very good time either by the end of that movie. <laughs> She walked it off. It's really, it's not, I would say it's not about being conservative. It's more about the kind of culture shock. It's just so different than what I grew up in. But even beyond that, one of the things that I read about this is that it's it's kind of a cult classic at this point. Again, you said 25th mm. anniversary. I have seen zero, like, pseudo-think pieces. And usually these uh, uh, films always find a weird audience and you can't, hear enough about them this one i know very little i've never heard anybody talking about it and for some reason uh it's you know ebert was like oh it has a lot of wit does it does it there's a reason why you can think back to royale with cheese and five dollar shakes and all those other memorable lines i've never heard anyone referencing 14 hour fuck sessions and, and going six months without ejaculating these aren't memorable pieces of dialogue mike you sound like the uh, studio exec in my research. Yeah. Shockingly, <laughs> so this this came out with through Columbia Pictures. Uh, Sony uh, wanted them to remove the middle section, which is the Las Vegas chapter, was like the boys being boys going. You know, I, I don't know how you would have felt about that. You as Webb, the Columbia TriStar executive, have been like, "Can we remove that section? But can we keep the strippers, <laughs> <laughs> the adults, <laughs> the film actresses that I'm aware of?" Uh, which actually is surprising because I felt like that's the one the studio would want. It's right. guys being guys. It's the car chase. It's a lot of gunplay. Um, and, you know, I guess probably for my money, it is the the weakest as far as the comedy because, uh, yes, Tay Diggs, his whole monologue uh, to his, his bros saying that he practices uh, tantric sex. You know, he's a, just a, well, I was about to say he's just another little sting, but I think they're both the equivalent in height. I think they're both <laughs> small, small people. <laughs> Um, I don't. I think that stuff ages very much in a '90s indie screenplay fashion. It's a lot of talk just for talk's sake. Um, however, I I will not hear any sort of blasphemy on the Sarah Polly section. Nor I was about to say the Jay Moore Scott Wolf section, but I think that's more the William Fickner section where he is trying to get them involved in this mid-level marketing. I adore that character. <laughs> I adore his nude bouncing on a mattress trying to sell this guy who thinks he's coming on to him, thinks it's going to be like an eyes wide shut thing. Uh, I think those two sections I, I really, I really do like. I don't know. I, as much as I love this, I don't know if this is a cult classic. I will say that in the podcast community, so this is very anecdotal, like the people that I've talked to that have seen it, other than now yourself, unfortunately, uh, you're bringing down the batting average. 
like love this movie. And the only time I see, as you called it, think pieces or see it referenced is usually around the holidays, like alternative Christmas movies, because it is set during the Christmas season, which is also probably the they open with, I think, the worst bit of dialogue, which is Katie Holmes. If you have to hang your hat on Katie Holmes delivering like a mini monologue and it's about opening a present at Christmas. Yeah. Just get rid of that. Uh, but you're not you're not going to convince me that anything with Sarah Polly as one of the leads is is a bad thing. Although she does sit more in your camp, she's almost disavowed this movie and said the the only reason she took the part uh, because she hates California, she did not want to go film anything in Los Angeles, uh, was the first line of hers uh, where she's checking out uh, an older woman with a kid, you know, attached to her hip. Um, uh, paper or plastic and she kind of is you know smart ass as a, as a teenager you know is what to do to web when he's going grocery shopping they just have to say something smart <laughs> uh and the woman says you know basically don't like you know don't don't give me that shit kid because you know i used to have your job and her, sarah polly's response is look how far it got you she said that's the only reason she took she just wanted to deliver that one line which makes me adore her even more that she saw one snappy comeback that she wanted to have and Webb hated all of it. He hated all the sass that these kids had. <laughs> you know, and it makes sense that Doug Lyman really related to the script and these characters because he's over at Sundance, nude, skiing, getting mm. the cops called on him. So, like, yeah. it, it, I think it makes sense. You know what's strange, though, is that he had no experience with rave culture at all. He was looking at this as a complete outsider, which I thought... You know, we're we're doing this in conjunction with the the book best movie year ever, uh, and this one shares a chapter with following in our next episode, Run Lola Run, uh, which you know our our theme for the month is going to be about boy the late '90s obsession with uh, not just telling a narrative <laughs> A B C D. We've just got to mix it up. You know, that's that's the Pulp Fiction I guess curse there. <clears throat> but I found that interesting because I thought yeah Lyman would have been like the party animal. He seems reckless. He has a reputation in Hollywood for like overspending for just having like sort of crazy ideas. I think he's great on a sort of limited scale, uh, working with young actors. I think there's like an energy level he brings because swingers is also one of my favorite movies and it's similar. Now it's <laughs> swingers is looking at, I guess your mid to late twenties, uh, versus this is, you know, there are a bunch of like what 17, 18 year old characters. Um, I think he, he works very well as far as just with actors, like just keeping that, that energy level up uh sometimes you know maybe too much but i don't i don't know if you can really not go for that i mean that's it's in the title it's in the marketing it's basically like come watch this wild crazy time that these, these silly kids have and i knew you would you would hate that I, I guess in the end no one is really punished for it even a man who shoots another man in las vegas right it's they they go, they go biblical they go like you know arm for an arm as far as you shot me in the arm i'm gonna shoot you which Seems to give this young punk, uh, this grocery store clerk, a lot of credit that he was just aiming to to maim another man and probably could have easily killed him. <laughs> like, he has no experience with firearms. <laughs> and and the, the size of that hand cannon that he had versus, like, a 9mm gun. Like, he was – and at, you know, point-blank range, like, I was like, you're going to blow his fucking arm off his butt. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that really didn't resonate with me. And Breck and Meyer might be in a coma, <laughs> like if we actually treat those injuries correctly, which I have no problem with, by the way. If you end up <laughs> perishing in Vegas. Pretty much Nick Fury by the end of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> there there's a lot of things. Like I, I found myself really bugged about every like even the hallucination sequence, like the Macarena. Like they're dancing 
to the Macarena and they're not doing the Macarena. Just every little thing <laughs> really got to now me. That's a, that is a unique complaint, and I'm definitely putting that in the show notes. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't find any of these characters uh, very redeemable. Uh, I didn't find anyone to root for. I didn't find... Not even Katie Holmes. You were Katie Holmes. Let's let's pause and talk about Katie Holmes. How did we decide that all of a sudden she was going to be a little bit of a movie star? Like, she's not talented enough. She's not a good actress. She's not attractive in that movie star way. That, like whoa, you can hold on. Slowly roll there, buddy. She's got the profile <laughs> and the stats of a of a completely serviceable WB star or CW, I guess now, and that's it. I feel like she gets a pass because she spent all that time with Tom Cruise. Like if Joshua Jackson had been kidnapped by uh, you know for a decade by a cult that South Park made fun of, would we praise his return to the movies for some reason? It is interesting because I do think you're being a little dismissive about the uh, the craze to anoint the Dawson's Creek cast as the next big thing, which I guess, you know, <laughs> Michelle Williams ultimately uh, won the Game of Thrones as far as that goes. Yes. But never through being like top of the line kind of movie star, like by, by taking interesting roles and just on sheer talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think, yet again, this may just... We have a, a, a brief window where there's an age gap, and I think the late 90s really puts a magnifying glass to it because if I had heard you say, like, why are they trying to put Katie Holmes in things? When I was 16 years old, I would have been like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> let, them, let them do what they're doing, all right? They know better than us. <laughs> she deserves to be a movie star. I say that saying she's, you know, maybe the weakest link in Go. I don't know. I give her a pass because her character is the least fun. Um, but I do think that's the reason she bookends the movie is because they think, okay, this is the next up and coming star. <laughs> Joshua Jackson, I, I don't feel bad for him because he's had a great, you know, career. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I don't, I don't remember him getting the push, and maybe it's because he was a child actor, and they're like, well, you already know this kid. This is Dawson's Creek is his peak. This is where he, we leave him. <laughs> but James Vanderbeek, Varsity Blues is coming up. We got an, our next teen idol, uh, which he was always. We'll get into it because we're going to be covering Varsity Blues at some point for this book. Always one of the strangest uh, teen heartthrobs because he just has a gigantic fucking head. Just a <laughs> just an alien. He, he looked like a thirty-eight-year-old man with the boyish appearance of an eighteen-year-old. Then I I don't know. Like with this one, go. It is kind of it's not fast times, right? Where it's like I think it's one of those things where you, if it had worked out, you would have looked back and said, "Look at this great cast," and it does have a good cast. It just didn't make movie stars like timothy oliphant has gone on to have a very successful tv career with you know justified and sort of like character actor kind of appearances um <clears throat> sarah Polly is you know a film director now and that's what she wants to do um Brecken Meyer, I don't know. Does he contribute to Robot Chicken? I don't no, know what, what I was going to say. He, I think he fell into that group. <laughs> this ha- this film has a large cast. It doesn't have a great cast. I think you're. <laughs> it's not Sean Penn. You know, I, I get it. It's it's not uh, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. You don't you don't have the heavy hitters that that came out of that. But where do you feel as far as it being a time capsule movie? Because it very much is. Love or hate it, it it is only about this specific time period it may be universal as far as i think doug Lyman said that he wanted to make a movie about the mistakes you can make when you're young and you can only make them because you're young and uh, you know you go much further down the line and it's it's pathetic or criminal if you're if you're 32 years old 
and you're shooting a bouncer in a strip club, uh, you need you probably need to go to jail. <laughs> like you need, we can't make this trade off because you're not just an underage idiot. But are those characters, especially in that Las Vegas section, are they teenagers? They certainly don't look it. <sighs> I I don't know because the the one character who's making most of the mistakes who un- unfortunately uh I, I don't have the actor's name in front of me because I don't uh Desmond Askew I I really don't know what he went on to do but he's the English guy who <laughs> I like the little detail that even when he's in Vegas and he has an accent he still has to throw in an Irish accent just to get laid like <laughs> his his foreign accent is not good enough so he ups his game. Um, he works at the grocery store with Sarah Polly and Katie Holmes, who are all teenagers. So I, I, I assume, I don't know. They're, they're using a drug dealer's credit card. They're not even using yeah. their own. So maybe, um, which, you know, is, is dangerous in some way. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of trust in the Timothy Oliphant character of Gaines here, which is strange to me. Sarah Polly is willing to trade <laughs> Katie Holmes so she can borrow some drugs. Like you can have my girlfriend just sit with you. Um, I, I didn't really understand that. Uh, but I think the movie is saved by Timothy Oliphant being the sort of noticeably creepy old guy in the room. Cause I think there is like a threat level that the rest of the movie doesn't have as much. Like I mentioned how much I enjoyed the, the cop who was wanting to sell Amway. He's a threat for a certain stretch and then he's a punchline. Right. Yeah. I think that, uh, Gaines, I believe, is the drug dealer's uh, character. I think there is legitimate, you know, not only does he eventually pull a gun on Sarah Polly, but what he will do to our precious Katie Holmes, Dawson's girlfriend, <laughs> I think you're meant to feel that this is uncomfortable. And I thought I thought that would be the one thing you'd like about it, but you're making faces like you even hate Justified. I just don't get it. I don't know. What pleases you, Webb? I don't mind Justified. <laughs> I actually like uh, Deadwood more. I like him in Deadwood much more. I think the one scene that really got me um, invested for a brief moment is when we revisit Sarah Polly at the end and she goes into that bathroom and Jay Moore tells her no. I was like, oh, okay. Because again, like I mentioned last episode, if you, if you have to trick them, you can't beat them, right? And so a lot of the puzzle um, reconstructing that you're doing here as an audience is to distract you from the uninteresting things that are happening on screen. And how dare you? <laughs> and second of all, he says, go, he says, go, not no. It's the title of the movie. Oh, does do? he say go? I'm sorry. Like I, I, I don't, I don't even remember if, uh, does he say it or does he mouth it? He mouths it, but it's 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 go. Oh, really? The, you're not okay. You're not even giving the film the credit of thinking that far ahead to have a reason for its title. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what the film is trying to get at with its title. Like, go, do not stay in this fucking theater. No, no the web version is no. It's <laughs> in don't see this, don't participate in it. <laughs> Again, you mentioned this grand cast and like the most interesting. I was like, Nikki Fritz, the, the soft core porn actress of my youth, isn't this? Let me throw one more bit of trivia at you. Uh, Jay Mar was apparently very upset because he wanted to play the drug dealer, and Doug Liman and company would not allow him to. Uh, okay. Way too creepy. Jay, Jay Mar <laughs> bantering with Katie Holmes. Like, Timothy Elephant, it's like, okay, what is he, like 23, 24, maybe 25, 26? Jay Mar, 
31, 32, 33, 34. Like, I'm like, no, this is too creepy to have Dawson's girlfriend sitting, like, him talking about, I guess, referencing Breakfast Club. Like, you know, are you a virgin, Claire? No, I'm not having Jay Moore bark those out. No one wants to see it either. No one wants to, you know, ugh, Jay Moore. Jerry Maguire's nemesis trying to hook up with Tom Cruise's future wife? Absolutely not. Won't have it. Well, he ended up with Nikki Cox. I think he did all right for himself. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny to me uh, that I I come across this film, Go, because of this book and uh, your suggestion at at including it on our main show that I knew nothing about, that all of a sudden I learned that it has this insane following, and I feel like I've seen Mm. more... I feel like I'm seeing a larger fandom for the Mothman prophecies than I have Go, which I also love. I'm not gonna. You're not gonna let me pick between the two because I adore that, that movie as well. I I have nothing but uh, nice things to say about the Mothman prophecies, a film that I had no expectations going in, and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, that was all right. Not so much. Well, Go. I will say, having lived through the actual theatrical opening of Go and being excited for it and being an early adopter to it. Uh, I can't speak to the cult classic nature of it. Maybe on video, you know, it, it picked up a lot of people. And uh, as I said, the, the time capsule element of it, I would be hard pressed to present this to a 22 year old now. And for them, it, it would feel, I don't, I don't know, maybe now it just feels like days confused if they were doing a period piece <laughs> instead of it being modern at the time. But when it came out, this was a financial failure, um, people sort of looked at it like, oh, this was supposed to be like the mainstream hit that came out of Sundance. Like it got the sort of wide release. Um, and so it's weird because it's something that I've always liked because I was there opening weekend, but I've never seen it as something that a lot of e- other people take ownership of because <laughs> when I was 16, I was like forcing my friends like, hey, you got to go see Go. And they're like, let's just go see The Matrix again. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, yes, for a 16-year-old, this is a great movie. For a 37-year-old, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, I'd rather go revisit Mothman Prophecies. <laughs> that's that's the point I was trying to make with Jay Moore. Like, imagine yourself <laughs> sitting across from Katie Holmes <laughs> trying to flirt with her and quasi-threaten her. It just doesn't work. And I, I do want to correct, I uh, think, Jay Moore's love life. I believe, I believe, I think that he is... Uh, dating the owner of the Los Angeles Lakers now, Jeannie Buss. So he has done quite well for himself. He, he's had a great comedy career. I just don't see him as threatening drug dealer. That's all I'm saying. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, I, again, I'm, I'm not. This is a film that I, I, I feel like I will recommend to others. But it's. <laughs> I'm doubting this. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you never speak of this again. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably more once closer the to the truth. Is, once the edit is locked, this will be the last time you think of Go. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I feel bad. I don't want to box these films in, but you you hit the nail right on the head. Like you you knew that I would not like it for very specific reasons, and maybe I can't come to grips with the fact that I don't like him for those same reasons. I feel like it was, if it was more interesting, again, like that scene with Jay Moore saying no slash go, we, we, we don't know. There's no confirmation as to what he actually said. I didn't have my commentary track to, uh, <laughs> to settle that, or I guess I can throw on the iTunes copy and put it in subtitles. Like I, I did that situation that she is in, in that scene is 
very uh, – it's filled with tension. And I am worrying about her safety as to what she's gotten herself into. And so when he does that at the end, when he, like, warns her, it, it's a genuine moment uh, in the film when I was like, oh, I'm actually interested in how this kind of is works out uh, and how it – so there are maybe moments in this movie where I am invested, but just so briefly, I just couldn't get around. You're a movie without any consequence. You know, it's it's always an uphill struggle. I think you're just upset that the proprietor of the uh, adult uh, entertainment uh, business—they're the ones that lose the most. They lose a, a nice SUV. Uh, they get shot in the arm. They have to—I mean, their business expense. They have to travel to L.A. Uh, really, it's really the adults picking up after the children. They're the ones that are, are punished here, and I know that pains you greatly, Webb. It's like gremlins, right? You have certain rules. 